0: Our scripture this morning comes to us from Exodus chapter 20 and James chapter 3. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers and sisters, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. For all of us make many mistakes. Anyone who makes no mistakes in speaking is perfect, able to keep the whole body In check with a bridle if we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us we guide their whole bodies or look at ships though they are so large that it takes strong winds to drive them yet they are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs so also the tongue is a small member yet it boasts of great exploits how great a forest is set ablaze by a small fire and the tongue is a fire the tongue is placed among our members as a world of iniquity. It stains the whole body, sets on fire the cycle of nature, and is itself set on fire by hell. For every species of beast and bird, of reptile and sea creature can be tamed, and has been tamed by the human species, but no one can tame the tongue, the restless evil full of deadly poison. With it we bless the Lord and Father, and with it we curse those who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing, my brothers and sisters, this ought not to be so. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening both fresh and brackish water? Can a fig tree, my brothers and sisters, yield olives or a grapevine figs? No more can salt water yield fresh. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. All right,
1: thank you, Andrew, and thank you, Again, Youth Choir Ensemble and Chancel Choir for the incredible music. Continue with the series on the Ten Commandments. This is number nine. We're moving right along, number nine. Sunday school children were doing some scripture memory work, and occasionally is might be expected, the kids got one or two or three verses mixed up when they were trying to recite what they were supposed to memorize. One Sunday morning, the teacher asked them, what is lying? And one eager little hand popped up and one little girl replied confidently, lying is an abomination unto the Lord and a very present help in time of trouble. Oh, me. So that pretty well, her response, sets us down right in the middle of the ninth commandment you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. The original focus of this commandment was the giving of false testimony in legal proceedings. Exodus 23 2 says, you shall not follow a majority in wrongdoing. When you bear witness in a lawsuit, you shall not side with the majority so as to pervert justice. The penalties for such deception are severe, and that's understandable in view of the possible tragic circumstances. Psalm 27, verse 12, the psalmist is praying, Do not give me up to the will of my adversaries, for false witnesses have risen against me and they are breathing violence. There is recorded in 1 Kings chapter 21, a story that graphically illustrates what can happen when folks bear false witness against another. Many of you recall the story, and even more of you might recognize the names of the major characters involved in this story. There are Ahab and Naboth and Jezebel, Jezebel. (laughs) That's a name we don't hear much anymore, isn't it? You know anyone named Jezebel? I didn't ask if you knew anyone, man or woman, mean-spirited enough to be called Jezebel. I asked if we knew anyone named Jezebel. Goodness. Naboth, the Jezreelite, had a vineyard in Jezreel and it was beside the palace of King Ahab and Ahab wanted that vineyard. Because it was attached to his property Contiguous property Give me your vineyard So I might have a vegetable garden Because it is near my house I'll give you a better vineyard for it King Ahab said Or I will give you the cash equivalent I will pay you For For the vineyard And Naboth said The Lord Forbid That I should give up or give away my ancestral inheritance. Ahab went home resentful and sullen because his offer had been refused. He flopped down across his bed. He turned his face toward the wall and he refused to eat. Can you believe a grown man pouting like that? Ahab's wife, Queen Jezebel, got wind of what was going on, and she came into the room where Ahab was. What in the world has gotten you so down and so despondent that you won't even eat? What's going on here? My stars, man. You're acting like a spoiled, whining young'un. And he said to her, I told that next door neighbor of ours to give me his vineyard for money or outside, trade him for it. And he said, no, no. And Jezebel, can you picture it? Put her hands on her hips. Got in Ahab's face and said, are you the king of Israel or what? Get up, eat a bite, cheer up, wash your face. I'll see that you get that vineyard. So she wrote letters in Ahab's name and sealed them with his seal. She sent the letters to all the influential folk in that area who happened to know Naboth and and know who he was. And Jezebel's epistle proclaimed this. She said, call a fast. Seat Naboth at the head of the assembly. Seat two scoundrels, one on either side of him at the table. And let them bear false witness against him. Saying, you have cursed God and the king. Then take him out and stone him to death. And it happened just as Jezebel had instructed And as soon as Jezebel received word that Naboth was dead, she told King Ahab, go take possession of the vineyard. And that's just what Ahab did. And that's when the prophet Elijah caught up with him. Ahab didn't even say howdy to Elijah. The first words out of the king's mouth to the prophet, were, you have found me, O my enemy. Elijah said, I have found you. And then Elijah outlined the consequences of the sin that had led to the death of Naboth, the good and righteous man. Stoning must have been an awful, terrible, painful way to die. Naboth's broken and bruised and bleeding body lay beneath a pile of rocks because two scoundrels had agreed to bear false witness against him. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. Picture a person standing helplessly before the village elders, probably at the gates to the city, the gates to the village, accused of murder or thievery or adultery. They were in danger of being stoned to death and two others step forward as witnesses this person's life is on their line is on the line depending on the testimony of these two witnesses they may swear to tell the truth the whole truth and nothing but the truth but will they do they so help them god The ninth commandment begins in this legal setting to be a lying witness was a heinous crime, undermining the whole judicial system back in that day, placing people's lives in jeopardy. And that's why at least two witnesses were required to convict someone of a serious crime, especially a capital crime. Deuteronomy chapter 19, verse 15, A single witness shall not suffice to convict a person of any crime or wrongdoing in connection with any offense that may have been committed. Only on the evidence of two or three witnesses shall a charge be sustained. That's why perjury was... Penalized so severely back in that day. If the witness is a false witness, having testified falsely against another, then you shall do to the false witness just as that witness would have been done to the other. In other words, a false witness could end up being accused of the crime that the other was being accused of, and their life could be in danger as well. And I think that that society, our society, no society, can survive or hang in there very long without integrity in the judicial system. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. But the Hebrews knew this commandment was much more than just the judicial system. Lying in all of its forms, and there were many forms, lying in all of its forms was to be condemned. There are six things. One writer said that the Lord hates seven that are an abomination to him, haughty eyes and a lying tongue and hands that shed innocent blood and a heart that devises wicked plans and feet that hurry to run to evil and a false witness, a witness who testifies falsely and one who sows discord in a family. Something worth noting at this point is that the two separate lists where the Ten Commandments are recorded in the Old Testament, you remember Deuteronomy chapter 5 and Exodus chapter 20, two separate lists of the Ten Commandments. And in each of these lists, there's a different Hebrew word for the word false. In Exodus, the Hebrew word for false means essentially untrue, literally a falsehood. And that's why some translations of the Bible just put this commandment so simply, you shall not lie. Period. But in Deuteronomy, the word used for false had been encountered by us before. You remember in the third commandment, when we talked about taking the Lord's name in vain, using it wrongly, there is expressed the idea of active power for harm, to tell an untruth, to tell it on purpose with the idea that we were going to do harm. Maybe even destroy someone else. And when you put those two words together, it helps us to see that lying is not only telling something that's not true, lying is often telling something that's not true in order to damage or harm someone else. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. The ninth commandment certainly has to do with the judicial system in ancient Israel and in our land today. It has to do with not lying, with telling the whole truth. And it certainly has to do with gossip or slander. Proverbs 11:13. A gossip goes about telling secrets, but one who is trustworthy in spirit can keep a confidence. The writer of Leviticus put it like this, you shall not go around being a slanderer among your people. In the scripture lesson that Andrew read from the book of James, our tongues are blamed for a great deal of evil in this world. Our words can do so much damage. Blame for the pain we inflict on one another. How great a forest is set ablaze by a small fire and the tongue is a fire. It's placed among our members as a world of iniquity. It stains the whole body. It sets on fire the cycle as itself set on fire, James said, by hell. No one can tame the tongue, a restless evil full of deadly poison. Pierre von Possen tells in his book The Days of Our Years, this little story and it it made an impression on me, you can let me know how you feel about it as well. There was a hunchback by the name of Ugolin who fell very sick. He never knew his father. His mother was a drunken outcast. He had a lovely sister and her name was Selange. Because she loved Ugolin so much, and because she could get the money to buy his medication in no other way, she sold her body on the streets. People talked so harshly that Ugolin eventually drowned himself in the river, and Solange shot herself. For their funeral, the little village church was crowded, packed down. And the minister entered the pulpit and he began his eulogy, his sermon. Christians, and he said the word like it was a whip, like it was a whiplash. Christians, when the Lord of life shall ask me on the day of judgment, where are thy sheep? I shall not answer him. And when the Lord of life shall ask me a second time, where are thy sheep? I shall not answer him. But when the Lord shall ask me a third time, where are thy sheep? I shall hang my head in shame and I shall answer him. They were not sheep, Lord. They were a pack of wolves. Gossip is a two-edged sword cuts both ways. Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount said, do not judge so that you may not be judged. For with the judgment you judge, you will also be judged. It goes both ways. And the measure you give will be the measure you get. We judge others when we gossip about them unfairly, careful lest we bring that same judgment on ourselves. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor violation of that ninth commandment can lead to so much pain. I imagine we've all got some stories to tell, or we know of folks who are near and dear to us who have been harmed by such false talk. Jesus knows that pain, doesn't he? They took Jesus to the high priest, and all of the chief priests and the elders and the scribes, all of the top-notch religious folk were there. Peter had followed him at a distance, right into the courtyard of the high priest, and he was sitting with the guards, warming himself at the fire. Now, the chief priest and others were looking for testimony against Jesus to put him to death, but they found none. For many gave false testimony against him, and their testimony did not agree. Some stood up and gave false testimony against him, saying, we heard him say, I will destroy this temple that is mine with these hands, and in three days I'll build another temple not made with hands. But even on this point, their testimony couldn't agree. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. While Jesus was being interrogated by the religious leaders, Peter was still hanging out in the courtyard, and one of the servant girls of the high priest, happened by. And she noticed Peter warming himself by the fire. And she stared at him and said, you are also with him, the man Jesus from Nazareth. But he denied it, saying, I do not know or understand what you are talking about. Peter shuffled up toward the gate and the rooster crowed. And the servant girl began to say to the bystanders, this man's one of them. But again, Peter denied it. A little while later, the folks standing around and said to Peter, certainly you are one of them. You belong to this guy. You are a Galilean. Peter began to curse and swear, I do not know this man that you're talking about. False witness. And the rooster crowed again. Is it possible? It is possible, isn't it? to bear false witness by what we say and by what we fail to say. Another biblical reference, if you'll allow me, and then we'll we'll wrap it up. One of the bright and rising stars of the early church, you know him, you know the name, you know about the man Stephen, one of the first ordained deacons, one filled with grace and power, one filled with the Spirit of God. His name was Stephen, and because of false witnesses, Stephen was brought before the council. And standing before those who held his physical life in their hands, Stephen gave a magnificent recital of salvation history from Abraham all the way to Jesus. Marvelous sermon. He was bearing witness to the truth, the positive operation of the ninth commandment in a sense, or the opposite of the ninth commandment, maybe. (laughs) And it cost him his life. In the days when the ninth commandment was first given, you could be stoned to death for lying. In Stephen's time, it seems like, you could be stoned to death for telling the truth. I wonder about those stoned to death for lying. What, what's the last thing they saw? What were they thinking as they took their last breath? For Stephen, the last thing he saw was his Lord Jesus standing at the right hand of God. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. That's so true, but perhaps a greater truth, a greater requirement You shall be my witnesses. Amen.